This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Well, it's always an honor and a privilege, as I say every time when I get the opportunity to to share God's Word with you, and today I'm thankful that Pastor Ron got to go on vacation and spend some time with his family and his kids in sunny Florida, and I'm not going to say I was jealous when it was pouring rain and freezing, but I wasn't. That's okay. He's having a good time, I'm sure. Um, But today I wanted to talk to you, and as I was thinking about this message, and Pastor Ron always gives me the opportunity to write a message different than the series he's on, and so I always really pray a lot about what to to pray on, or to preach on, and it's interesting because today I'm going to preach on something that is really a play on words for what we're going through right now. The the title of my series is Be Contagious. Be Contagious. I mean, if we stop and we think about that play on words right now, is that a big deal or what? Because all we are being told is how we don't want to be contagious, how we want to avoid getting somebody else sick, how we want to avoid letting this supposed virus, if we have it, get into somebody else, or if somebody else has it to get onto us, because we have to, we have to terminate that. But the truth of the matter is, is you were created to be contagious. Now, I'm not referring to a virus such as that, but you were created literally to be contagious. If you just stop it, I just, all I can think of is when I, when I do that is my kids and my grandkids, and more, I relate now more with my grandkids, in that I am to be contagious of the Jesus that lives inside of me to them in particular. That is the, the primary area God has given me responsibility with. And especially my boys. I'm sorry, and I, I firmly believe that the men of today, the young men of today, need guidance and leadership greater than ever before. And in that if a man of God, and I consider myself a man of God, does not, is not contagious with them, that they will find somewhere else to get that on them. And it may not necessarily be a good virus, if you want to think of it that way. So today, I'm going to be talking about that. And I want to start and tell you that how I know this, one of the ways I know this too is that Jesus was contagious. Listen to to this awesome, awesome uh, recollection of what happened. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause right there for a minute because I think as we read things, we just let little things slip by us a little, okay? Leprosy was a disease that was going around back in the days of Jesus that made the coronavirus look like a runny nose. If you got leprosy, it was a death sentence. And your contagion was so great that you knew that if you caught it from somebody, you were dead. And so leopards were literally shamed and pushed away. And they, they, were, they, were, they could not have jobs, they could not do anything, they could go in no public places, and the thing about it is, you knew they had it, because when they got leprosy, their skin turned chalky white. So it was obvious, it wasn't like today, where nobody knows. You knew back then. And so I want to start that out, because I want to make sure we understand that when this all transpired, Jesus knew this information, okay? Okay? 
So the man with leprosy knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. So you can see now why the leopard is saying, if you're not willing, I understand. I am super duper contagious. I'm going to kill you if you touch me. This is what he's thinking in his mind. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, the crowd soon gathered surrounding Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Now, is that a powerful story in the sense that, yes, this man had an incurable disease, but see, here's the thing. Jesus had something inside of him that was more powerful, more powerful than leprosy. And he knew he had it inside of him. So Jesus, with no fear, no reservation, I am willing. And he literally takes the cure that he has inside of him, lays his hands on this man that has an incurable disease, and he's cured instantly. And then, of course, as you just heard me say, he tells him, well, now don't go running around and spouting out to everybody. But the fact of the matter is, is the man couldn't shut up. He told so many people. Now, this isn't Facebook time, people. This is where you literally communicated person to person. He is so stoked, so excited that he tells so many people, and it spreads like a contagion, like wildfire, literally to the point where Jesus can't even get in the cities without being mauled. And he literally has to stay a lot of times outside of the city gates, just literally because there's too many people that want to be in his presence. They want to be close to him. They want to be by him because he has a cure. He has something so powerful, and they want it. But it was the man that spread that because he was touched by it. What a powerful, powerful thing. You see, we're broken. I hate to break the news to you, but we are broken. In fact, the Bible tells us we're born with a sin nature. If you want to think about it, we're literally born with a disease, and it's called sin. And, you know, we like to think, you know, especially we see a baby, and what's the first thing you say would be, how innocent, how sweet, how adorable. And they are. But you know, it's interesting. I've had four kids now and six grandkids. And you know, they never really voluntarily wanted to share. But they were more than quick enough to go, mine, mine, or pull something away. You see, it's in our nature. It is in our nature of who we are as human beings raised in a sinful world, in a fallen world, because Adam and Eve took that bite of that apple, that it's in our nature to want to sin. It's in our nature to be selfish and greedy. It's, it's kind of who we are. It's a part of who we are. But you see, Jesus came, and when Jesus came, he gave us an opportunity to have a cure for that. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're gonna, I'm going to read a, a rather relatively long opening scripture, and then I'm going to break it down for you. 
as we go through and see how this works and see how many of us think, oh, I got the salvation thing all figured out, Mark, and I'm going to break the news to you. You probably don't, and I can prove it to you. How many people in this room literally think to themselves, in an area that you're struggling, if I can just beat this area, if I can just refrain long enough, if I can just ignore that situation, if I can, then, then I'll be better. Come on. We all do it. I, 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 re, I relate it to a diet. If I could just stay away from the ice cream, I'll be okay. But the truth of the matter is, is God didn't want us to have to fight our insides to not sin. He wanted to bless us with a cure so we wouldn't want to sin. So it wouldn't be in us like that. So let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. We come to you this morning, Lord. And we just ask, Father, that you would reveal to us a truth. We go through life and our truth gets so distorted. The world has its truth. Our, our hungers and our desires present its truth. People influence us with their truth. And all of those truths, Father, are, are distorted and they're manipulated and they're wrong. But ultimately, Lord, you gave us the truth. I pray today that we could grab a hold of just a little more, one more step towards grabbing a hold of your truth and bring it in inside of us to be who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be in Romans. I'm going to start in chapter 7, verse 14. And Paul is talking right here. And, and it's interesting, if you know anything about Paul, Paul was, I mean, come on, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So we would assume that he's got his act together pretty good, doesn't he? So let's listen to how, what he's saying. He's saying, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. I've done that before. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it all. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law and it is good. So I am not the one doing wrong, it is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power working within me, is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that, I, that is dominating by, dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. 
And before you belong to him, the power of the life-giving, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are pleasing the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But the Spirit controls, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. Now, I know that was a long opening scripture, and I want want to take it now, and I want to break it down bit by bit. So point number one in your study guides is we are born with this infection. If you want to think of it, we are born with this virus called sin. And in the first chapter there, chapter 7, verse 21. It says, I have discovered this principle of life, that I want to do what is right. Inevitably, I do what is wrong. I love God's word with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. There is another power, the power that makes me a slave to sin, and that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life of sin dominated or this, this life dominated by sin and death. So what we need to understand is it's not about being good. It's not about being perfect. It's not about what you can refrain from. It's not about all of these, these do's and don't do's. First and foremost, we need to understand something, that because of the world that we were born into, and I know this sounds like a, an, an escape goat. In fact, we've all seen the bumper stickers, the devil made me do it. You want to know what? There's a certain amount of truth to that. Because of this nature that we have been born into, into this world that is loaded with sin. And oh my goodness, all you got to do is watch the news for five minutes and you realize that real quickly. Okay? We have this surrounding us and it literally infects us. And it infects us to the point where we do things that we just often know not to do. And I don't care who you are sitting in this room. We've all struggled with that. We all do struggle with that. We, and, and, and we think to ourselves, what is wrong with me? Come on, I can relate more than anybody. I'm a pastor. And I'll do something. I, in fact, I just did it this week. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I was just upset. I chewed somebody out on a phone, and I literally hung up on them. And I got done, and I hung up that phone. I'm like, what is my issue? This is not, my, this is not who I want to be. Okay? And it's because that nature inside of us wants to swell up. It wants to be like that. And I hate to tell you this, that that nature inside of us is contagious also. How many ever people remember the scriptures about the sins of the father are passed down from generation to generation for three generations? Do you remember that? Yeah, that, that's actually in the Bible. You know what that means? That means our sin is contagious. 
That means that we're going to pass it down from generation to generation. Now, if I told you guys, okay, you all have a disease, and I want you to pass it down to your kids, how many of you would volunteer and want to do that? Well, none of us would. We love our kids. We don't want to pass our, our sins down to our children and to our grandchildren. But the truth of the matter is, is because the prince of the world, the enemy, is in charge here, that is actually part of the system that is set up. That is the way partially it is set up. But the cool thing about it is, is there's a cure for that virus. There is literally a cure. But here's the status. I'm going to tell you the status quo of 90% of people, even though 80% of Americans say they're Christians. Here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is, is I believe there's a God. That's what people will tell you. I believe there's a God. In fact, I even go to church occasionally. In fact, I even pray when things are really going wrong. But the truth of the matter is, I am living by my own power and my own strength every single day, hoping that I'll get enough breaks and enough bad things won't go wrong that at the end of the day I can lay my head on my pillow and sleep. And that is Christianity 2020 for 90% of Christians. Instead of what it should be. And here's what it should be. It should be Take the cure. Take the antidote. Because there is a cure to this. Now, yes, I'll tell you right now, I have accepted that cure. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And yes, I backslid and was obnoxious on the phone. But who knows me knows that that is not the normal me. The normal me is probably so mercy-oriented, I let people get away with everything. See, the truth is, is there's a cure, and God wants us to have us have it. Number two, sin like a virus requires a cure, and there is a hope, and the hope isn't trying harder. The trope, hope isn't, oh, I'll just go to church every week. I'll never forget. It's hilarious. I first got out of college, and I'm giving away my age here, in the early 80s, and there was just no work in the construction industry in Michigan. In fact, there used to be a bumper sticker for those of us that are old enough. Remember, the bumper sticker said, last one out of Michigan, please shut off the lights. And we were dead serious, man. I mean, there was like, you know, 18% interest rates and like 18% unemployment. So I had taken a, taken a job down in North Carolina in the, more in the center, Greensboro area. And if you've ever been down that way, their summers are just hot. I mean, up here, at least we have wind, you know? There's no wind, no nothing, man. It was just hot. And I remember standing on a roof, and literally like this, and my would freak a lot of people out nowadays, and we were sheathing the roof, and I was standing on the edge, and I put my hands up in the air, and, I, and of course, I, did, I didn't know God from Adam, and I go, God, if you will just give me a breeze, I promise I'll never swear again. That's the Christianity that so much of us live in. God, I promise, I'll, I'll, by my own power, never do that again if you'll bless me. The fact is, is there's a cure. There is a hope. The very next verse, in verse 25, it said, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7, 5, 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, if you have your Bible and you are underliner, underline that word. Because this is what this sermon is about, to be honest with you. 
controlled. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You see, here's here's the news, people. How many people here have, have, have said, or how many have accepted salvation? I'm not trying to put anyone, but when you've accepted salvation, you ready? Here's what you, here's what you really did, or here's what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to surrender. Salvation is simply surrendering. It is giving up control. And that is hard for us to do. In fact, I've been called a control freak before. I got it from my mother-in-law. Some of you, I think you might appreciate that. I got it from that control. We want to be in control. We want to make sure that we have everything under control. We want to do it our way and make sure that it doesn't affect us bad. It doesn't, in all the ram of, and the truth of the matter is, is, you know what? If you're in control, all you're going to do is keep messing it up because your nature is going to be lean selfish. Your nature is going to lean in a sinful way. But when you give up that control, see, you're made of three parts. Did you know that? I'm sure Pastor Ron has covered this numerous times. You're made of three parts. You got a body. Go ahead and pinch yourself. You got a body. It's a shell you walk around in. Temporary residence. Okay? You have a soul. That is your mind, your will, your emotions. And then you are made up of a spirit. In fact, in Genesis, it says that God breathed. Numa breathed his breath into man, giving him a spirit. And you became a spirit being. That's the difference between us and animals. We are a spirit being. Okay? And that spirit being wants to be in charge. It wants to be controlled. Will it submit the control to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit? Because that's what salvation is. Is when you allow your spirit to literally become saturated and that's what salvation is. It's a saturation of the Holy Spirit with your spirit so that now your soul isn't in charge anymore. Your mind, will, and emotions submits to the spirit. So now all of a sudden, what would be a natural response becomes an unnatural response because you're no longer controlled by your sinful nature, but you're controlled by your spirit-filled nature. Is that cool or what? And this is what is so powerful about salvation that I think so many people misunderstand. It's, it's, yes, it is a choice. The antidote is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit called salvation. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit moving into you. It's an antidote. And we all get it. We all hear this on the, all, all the time. It's a surrender. And in doing this, what happens is it changes everything. And it should bring about inside of you, and I say it should, because there's a difference between surrendering and saying you surrender. You with me? The difference between me and my wife decided we are going to do this keto thing, and just because she didn't see me eat that piece of cake, I'm still on it. Okay? <laughs> you see, we say we surrender. But we really, do we, do we really surrender? And I think a lot of times we don't know how to do that. But here's the thing, is, is you say, and that's why we ask you 
for salvation. The Bible says you speak it with your lips. You speak it with your lips. Why? Because there's power in that. There's power when you speak it. And then you believe it in your heart. And that believing in your heart is a transitional period. The speaking is instantaneous. A transition, the believing in your heart, is a transition period. It takes a while, people, to surrender. You want to surrender? It takes a while to surrender. You're continually surrendering, to be honest with you. Because more circumstances will come up where you have an opportunity to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God, what, what, what about that? What do you think about that? What about that area in my life? We surrender our thoughts, our mind to that. So what I'm trying to get at right here, people, more than anything else, is we're understanding now that, that this disease we have, sin, has a cure. And the cure comes in the form of the Holy Spirit when we accept salvation. So literally, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit when you accept salvation. Now, I know there's a lot of confusion on this term baptism, but the fact of the matter is, is if you have said with your lips and believed in your heart, you are on this journey of surrender. Now, let's go back to our opening, our opening sermon, our opening um, scripture. What happened when the leopard got healed? In fact, look at almost every single time Jesus healed somebody. What happened when that person got healed? What happened when the lame man walked? What happened when Peter and Paul told, grabbed the guy and lifted him up and he, and he walked and he was dancing? You see, what happened is, is there's an immediate response to that. You want to know who the biggest promoters of Jesus Christ are? The five-minute saved people because they're stoked. They realize they've been cured, and they're excited, and they're fired up, and then they walk out the door, and the world tells them they're full of it. They're wrong. It was all hype. It's all fake. Come on, go back and, and retake the disease. Come on, get the virus back. Don't, 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 don't let that antidote cure your virus. And part of it is because that is a contagion. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the, those that have not got Jesus Christ are contagious to sin. Now you have Jesus Christ inside of you. You should be contagious in the freedom, in the power, in the antidote, in the cure that you have. And it is so powerful if you will let it happen, if you'll do it, if you'll stay focused, if you'll remember that word, surrender, and continue, continually say, well, wait a minute, what about God? Well, I wonder what the Holy Spirit thinks about. Wait a minute. And just keep turning your heart back to that. Now, there's three really different types of contagions. And the first one is the one that I believe we've been attacked on, right, through this whole coronavirus deal. What have, we been, what have we been told to do if we get a fever? We are to quarantine ourselves. I mean, I remember I flew back from Florida. I was on vacation when all of this happened back in March or April or whatever month it was. It was March. And I remember I went to go to work Monday. And uh, I got halfway to, I was driving to Grand Haven to look at a construction project. And uh, I got a phone call. I said, no, you can't come. I said, what do you mean I can't come? You flew, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. I'm like, cool, 14 days off. 
No, just kidding. I didn't get 14 days off. But the idea was, is right away we want to quarantine ourselves. Now here, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what the devil is trying to do to Christians. He's trying to get us to quarantine ourselves. I, I mean, I'm not a fan, and I'm sorry if you're watching online, I'm not a fan of online ministry, church. It's a, it's a form of quarantine in my eyes. I'm not going to say I know everything. I want to be able to come here and literally lay hands on my brother and say, Mark, I pray with you today. I know you're struggling in an area. I'm here for you. I think there is power in our presence together. But that, the enemy has tried to literally segregate us and, and separate us and keep us so that we can't be contagious even in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And yes, it does have to do with physical presence. I'll prove it to you. My second form of being contagion is called passive contagion. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you accept salvation, there are literally fruits of the Spirit that will come upon you. That's what the Bible calls them, fruits of the Spirit. Okay? Before I was, before I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I had two big deals. One, I got extremely angry. I remember as a teenager and even in college, putting my fists through walls, through doors. I remember kicking a dent in a car, mine, because I, could, I, I had trouble controlling my anger. I, and, you know, and I got all the excuses in the world. My dad drowned when I was six weeks old. My mom drank herself to death 11 years later. I had no supervision for 11 years. I had done drugs and experienced things before I was a teenager. And then when my mom died, I went and lived with my brother. And quite honestly, it didn't go well. I was stubborn. I was used to doing anything I wanted. And I invaded their family. Just imagine bringing in, then suddenly would become your oldest child into your family, and he's a hellion. 100 miles an hour, no brakes, and not in a good way. So I have all the excuses in the world. I had all this anger belled up inside of me, punching things, kicking things. I had issues. But there was a day, it was weird, I was 33 years old. 33 years old. I was in Grand Haven at Resurrection Life Church. And I thought, you know, I went to a Catholic school. I know all there is to know about God, but I don't know who he is from Adam. And so I just asked, Lord, if this is what it's called, save me. I don't get angry anymore. I don't even, it's not in my nature. You know why? Because I'm cured. And I'm going to tell you, you can ask my wife, that cure happened instantaneously. I mean, I can remember dating my wife and screaming and yelling at her. Driving down the road. Yes, hard to believe a nice guy like me. I don't, I don't scream and yell at anything except for the TV when the Lions are playing. I mean, I don't do it. It ain't who, it's not my nature anymore. I'm cured of it because of salvation, because of this Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. And because this Holy Spirit gave me these fruits and that is exactly what they are. They are fruits that you get. And they're so awesome because I love the analogy of fruit. Because let's be honest, 
everybody likes fruits. I haven't, I mean, I found a few kids that, but they're kids and they, they're weird anyway. But everybody likes fruit. All of us, what's your favorite fruit? You know, I mean, for a while it was apples. Now I love grapes, I don't know, and strawberries. And we love fruit, don't we? It's delicious, they're fruitful. They're fruits of the Spirit. You see, these fruits of the Spirit come upon you when you start surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And these fruits are things like self-control, joy, peace. These self, these fruits that come upon you then begin to start dictating your personality even. They begin to start dictating who you are. Now here's the cool thing about it. Because they do, they become contagious. I mean, I know I don't hang out with a lot of people around here, but most people that I've hung out with will say, I enjoy being around Pastor Mark. He's a blast. Or he's just, I, I have people come to me. I mean, I had somebody call me. Went to my church up in Ludington, God's church that I overseen. And he's been gone for over 10 years. And he called me two weeks ago. He said, Pastor Mark, I just needed to hear your voice. It's not that I'm God. It's that I got these fruits of the Spirit that it, were so much on me that as I was around people, they became contagious. Okay? And I can still prove it. I work in the construction industry, and whenever I come around, everybody quits swearing. I haven't figured that out. It must be because I said, Lord, I promise I'll never swear again. Give me a breeze. No, it's because the fruit inside of me is contagious on the outside of me. The reason I call that passive is because it's passive in the sense that I am not actively going out and saying, you got to know Jesus. I am just letting the Jesus that is in me be contagious. And people are drawn to it. And now all of a sudden when I say, Bob, we gotta, I need you to come to church with me, Bob's like, yeah, I like Mark, man, let's go. He's a cool dude, got his act together. Or more like his wife has helped him a lot. We should probably listen to her. I mean him, you know. But the truth is, that is how we can become very contagious. I wrote down in my notes here because I, I want to make sure I get this. We are called to be the light and the salt. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Now i got to pause right there. What that means is you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of salvation, okay? And you have become different. Now, I don't know about you, but I like salt, especially on corn of the cob and steak, okay? I don't know why, but those two improve in taste dramatically with salt. Now, think about it. We're called to be salt. But what good is it if we lose our flavor? What that's saying is what good is it is if we accepted the Holy Spirit and we quarantine ourselves, Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your deeds, let who you are, shine for all to see. You are the head, not the tail, the Bible says. Your name is written in the book of eternal life. If God is for you, who can be against you? You are promised a hope and a future. So act like it. I am arrogantly saved. 
I am confidently saved. I am excitingly saved. And those fruits, I want every one of them. I want to bite into them. I want to taste them. I want them to become who I am. And therefore, in my presence, you'll find laughter. You'll find calm. You'll find peace. You'll find self-control. I'm not bragging myself up. I'm bragging up the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, 25 years ago, that wasn't who I was. You'd have found partier, blast to be with, but probably is going to insult you because I'm very quick-witted. Probably say something derogatory to you. That's a sin nature. And now there's a new nature. The last one is to be actively contagious. Actively contagious. Now, we do this in the natural all the time, but really, I don't know why. I mean, we've, we've seen it all. We've, how many here has ever got a track on their windshield? You know what a track is? You're going to hell. You're going to burn in hell. You know, you need to know Jesus. <sighs> okay, it might be, I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, but I mean, they might be somewhat effective, but I don't think they are, in my opinion. I think a lot of times people know they're sinners. They don't need to be told 20, 25 times. What they really need is to have a friend that will show them a better way. Amen. Exactly. So anyway, but actively contagious, we can do it in our natural. We really can. We can go out and we can say, you know what? I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to actively do whatever I can do to spread the word of God. I, I, I mean, I did this when I got into ministry. I was, you know, doing the youth and I am going to win. I'm going to lead these kids. I'm not going to let them live through the childhood that I lived in. I don't want any, teacher, any teenager to experience that. So I was actively, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying there is even a better way. Because see, that's, that's being active, but that's being active in my natural power. Now here we go. You got the Holy Spirit moved inside of you when you got saved. Do you know there's another level you can go to? There's another level you can go to. We've been talking about it in this church for the last month, maybe a little longer. We call it being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I call it being overflowed in the Holy Spirit. Here's what it really is, you guys. Here's exactly what it is. It's when you have matured in your salvation to the point where you realize, I need to surrender everything. You see, because when we all get saved, we surrender. Usually it's the thing that got us to choose to be saved. Okay? For me, it was a divorce. It really was. I got a divorce. I was miserable. I, didn't, I wanted someone to just love me. I remember I pulled in the old airport, the north side of the airport, and I pulled in crying in a drunken stupor, yes, driving, and said, Lord, will someone just love me? Will someone just love me? And he answered my prayer. He answered my prayer. See, God wants to answer your prayer. But I came to him because of my hurt and my love. Then you get to a point where you're ready to fully surrender or to surrender to even a greater degree. And that's where it goes beyond being about you and it starts being about other people. And we call this the gifts of the Holy Spirit that can come upon you. These powers of the Holy Spirit that can come upon you when you receive this additional anointing and God doesn't give it to you right away usually because you're not ready for it. But when he does give it to you, you become so powerful in it. 
It literally overwhelms you because you literally surrendered even the things you want to do. I cannot tell you the number of times. I, believe me, I do not want to drive 45 miles each way every Monday night to be a, on the elders meeting. I don't want to. It costs me 20 bucks in gas. It's a three, four, five hour round trip. But I don't care because I am surrendered. And therefore the Holy Spirit now gives you gifts and these gifts are super powerful, and many of you have come to this altar have experienced them. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of gifts of wisdom. I have went and laid my hands on people to pray for them, not even knowing who they were. And the Holy Spirit has touched me inside, told me exactly what to pray. I prayed for them. They got up after service. They come up to me and go, how did you know? I know nothing. The Holy Spirit gave me a gift of understanding that I could speak into your life because it was exactly what you needed to hear, exactly at that point, because this is where you're at and this is where you need to go and surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, your life to Christ, actively being contagious. So I'm going to wrap up right here. And what I want to say is two things. Two things. One, if you haven't surrendered in the sense of salvation to Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? I mean, seriously. I, I get the control thing. I really do. But come on, there is so much more to life. There is, it's so awesome to have Jesus Christ living inside of you in this power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, bringing about and maturing these fruits of the Spirit. So powerful. So awesome. All you got to do is ask with your lips, your tongue, and believe in your heart. If you haven't done that, I, I challenge you. No, I don't challenge you. I encourage you. Listen to the Holy Spirit and do it today. Come to the altar. I'll, our elders will come to you. Raise your hand. They'll come to you and pray with you. The second thing is, if you have not, and you consider yourself a Christian, you've been walking with the Lord, you feel like you're Holy Spirit filled, and you have not received that overflowing of the Holy Spirit, then I challenge you to do that today. All through the music, after service, I don't care when. Get with another mature, spirit-filled Christian, like our elders volunteer for this every week up here, and say, okay, lay hands on me, pray over me, and I am asking, because it's a two-part thing. You ask, you surrender. You ask, you surrender. And things like tongues will come upon you, and you say, oh, God, that's really weird. You wanna know what? That's how you know you're not in charge. Think about that for a minute. Tongues will prove to you you're not in charge. Because if you're, if you're in charge, you won't do it because you think, oh, I'm going to be an idiot. I'll sound like stupid. I'll sound like an idiot. That's because you're in charge. You're in control. You surrender control. Prophecy will come upon you. You surrender control. The gifts of the Holy Spirit will come upon you as God wants you to have them and he feels you're, in, you're mature enough to handle them. Thank you. Father, I come to you today and I thank you for the words that you gave me to share. I pray right now, Lord, that these words would not fall on rocky soil, but Lord, they would fall on beautiful earth ready to receive. 
I speak right now over this congregation that those that have not accepted you as their Savior are going to rise up boldly today. They're going to raise their hands. They're going to say, I need to know Jesus as my Savior. I pray that those that have been walking with the Lord maybe for years or even decades but have not experienced that power of the Holy Spirit would come forward. They would grab a hold of the elders. They would say, I want these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Lord, this is my prayer. This is my prayer that today we would all take another step in this journey that you have given us. And a journey, by the way, that lasts for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.